All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast on the Overtime Media Network, broadcasting from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. And we are going to be breaking down every game for week three in the NFL on the main slate for FanDuel and DraftKings, rolling through the injury news that we have so far, talking some betting lines, uh, obviously talking GPP versus cash game plays. We'll roll through each game. Some, obviously, we'll spend more time on than others when we, you kind of look at the landscape of the NFL. I mean, buddy, do you want to, should we just get right into this thing? Or, you know, do, how do you feel <laughs> well, about the on, week? Yes. But I, I, I'd like to jump in. And I feel like there's something hilarious that's been going on this fall. And I want to bring that up briefly. So we, have, <laughs> okay. we, 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 haven't, we haven't done a lot of, like, paid advertising in the past. Like, our business model is always sort of run on word of mouth. Uh, you know, trying to do a good job via content and getting people just to sort of sign up because they want to, because they found us uh, via the good work we do. We got talked into running an advertising campaign for this football season, and I think it's gone pretty well. But one of the hilarious things that we've just never been exposed to is what happens specifically when you run ads on Facebook. And Uh I'll never understand why Facebook has commenting on the ads. Like, wouldn't it be like kind of weird to be watching the Super Bowl and it's like a Pepsi commercial and then at the end just everyone gets to chime in with their experiences about Pepsi and you know there's their conspiracy theories about it It doesn't have to be founded or whatever but um, so that's been sort of a surreal experience but one of the most hilarious things has been there have been people commenting on our ad saying all sorts of things so like one thing one comment was all these new companies popping up every day SMH and we're like yeah I mean We've noticed that, too, in the six years that we've been doing it, literally since the dawn of daily fantasy sports, literally before DraftKings was one of the two big daily fantasy sports sites we've been around. Uh, So I comment and respond to him directly. You go the old man route, send him a PM (laughs) accidentally. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't understand what I was doing. I didn't think you were going to bring this up, but uh, yeah, I didn't understand. I really didn't understand. I'm not, like, I don't don't use Facebook a ton, but I... (laughs) But, but I, I did respond to him. I did respond to him a very similar. I did respond to that with a very similar uh, line of. Well, line well of I'm, tell, I'm telling you about it because I assume you haven't seen it. You're like, dude, I responded to that post too. I was like, <laughs> definitely didn't because I'm sitting here staring at it. Wait, were there more so comments on it? Besides, were there more comments besides that one? I, I, I yeah, never yeah. looked. Well, there, there were. I mean, there was then one. You know me, Doug. I try not to say bad things about people. This man was a complete <laughs> idiot. Um, just a complete <laughs> idiot. And he he responds and he's like. I've tried all the sites and they're all scams. It's like, all right. So then we have a couple DFSR users, including chat fame, DFSR chat famous DZ comes in and has our back. So I want to say thank you to DZ and uh, Mike, I think was the other guy's name. I don't know who you are in the chat, Mike, if you're still a, a DFSR customer. But thank, uh, it's always nice to see actual reasonable people that exist in the world. And uh, to all you people out there, when you see so an ad on Facebook... You don't need to chime in. I mean, like, no, <laughs> literally, no one cares. Like, if we have stolen from you, or you know, Doug made out with your sister in high school. Like, if there's like relevant things that probably that you happened, by share, the way, but yeah, that's fine. I mean, to at least <laughs> half of our half of the people that's on the ad, um, then fine. <laughs> wait, die. but like the part where you're just like, I smell something fishy here, boys. It's like, I don't know. Maybe then I can click on your profile picture and see that you photoshopped in the red hot chili peppers into your photo into your profile picture i'm serious this is the main guy the main critic um and i could be like okay maybe the world needs to not take your your criticisms too seriously so there was a time in my life where like the hate that would come up would bother me 
first of all, also work on your hate. This is very mild-mannered hate. Like, again, no one cares. And just find hobbies, like, aside from Photoshopping famous bands into your profile picture. That's it. That's all I'm going to show you. I'm going to cut you off. We're, we're, four and a half minute, we're four and a half minutes in. That's the longest bit you've ever did on the podcast, I think. I, I, mostly I, it's I, just me talking. I can't, yeah, it's, it, that's, that's true. I've noticed that when I look at my audio files after. Um, yeah, whatever. I, I, it's, it's not a bit. It's just, I, this is life well, I didn't mean bit. I mean, this is like the most engaged, let me rephrase. This is the most engaged you've ever been on the podcast <laughs> about, about a single topic. Enough. All right, let's, <laughs> let's, let's get into, let's go. I'm out of trouble recovering. The red hot chili pepper things have me dying. All right, the, uh, all right we're going to get into week three. Uh, the week three games will be breaking down. We'll be, I, I already said all this at the beginning. I'm all thrown off now. I'm not going to stop, though. All right, we're going to go right, game by right game. In. First we'll, game. Yeah. yeah, here we go. We're going to skip over the Thursday slate. And one thing, too, is uh, if you're new to the podcast, just know that we did a cash game podcast yesterday where we highlighted position by position. And then we did do a week two recap with a week three sort of preview earlier in the week. That I know the, the recap sometimes just bleeds into our thoughts going into the next week too, because we kind of talk about you know sustainable performances sure. and stuff. So definitely go back and listen to those as well. I will nod to the cash game plays that we mentioned already, just so you know that that's kind of who we're targeting. If you don't go and, and listen back, but uh, that's kind of how we're going to roll through this thing. First thing, first game is Atlanta at Indianapolis. Indianapolis it started as a two and a half point favorite for Indy, but it's now down to only minus one at home. So uh, when you factor in the home field advantage here. Uh, Vegas is kind of saying that the Falcons might just be the better overall team with the minus one coming up on the Indy side. Uh, Marlon Mack has the second most, excuse me, has the most carries in the NFL through the first two weeks. Uh, and he has the third most overall touches with 40, uh, with 48. But 45 of those are, are rushing attempts. Like he's just not really featured mm-hmm. in the passing game. Where does he kind of rank for you in terms of cash game running backs at this point just because it's been crazy volume even in sort of like negative game scripts at times like they weren't winning that they they lost that la uh, the charger game to start the season uh where does he kind of rank for you in this group of elite touch running backs or does the fact that he's really not featured in the passing game kind of have you off of him well it doesn't necessarily have me off him entirely i think he's especially on FanDuel right now at a price point where you should be considering him it's just that targets are more valuable than carries. And so when you see like 25 total touches week one, you're like, whoa, that's so many touches. But when all of those come on the ground, that does two things. First of all, you don't get the half point or full point PPR. Second of all, you almost always have fewer yards per carry on your uh, rushes versus your receptions and fewer touchdowns per touch as well. So I think Mac is fine. Like there's some kind of floor there, but there are just going to be weeks. I think I even called this going into last week where I said, you know, I was calling it both ways with both Mac and Derrick Henry. Henry obviously had a better week, but uh, Mac goes out there, 20 carries. You're like, awesome. 51 yards. He actually did t- catch two balls for 12 yards, but he put up seven points. And it, he's going to be, if he's only carrying the ball, he's not going to be getting five yard, you know, eight, seven yards a carry or whatever he did in, like in week one. So you're going to need some touchdowns to go with it. So playable option. There is upside. We've seen these, you know, ground heavy guys punch in multiple touchdowns and be the best play in the week in a given week. And there's just going to be some of those 20 carry for 80 yards weeks. And you're just going to have to live with those too. 
Yep. Jacoby Brissett has been pretty efficient uh, behind the center. He's completing 70% of his passes. He's actually rushing for a little bit, but they just don't throw enough. Uh, that's really just the problem. They've, they've, they've done so much on the ground and kind of just ground games out. and that, that kills the clock, too, just from a volume uh, and pace standpoint as well. So while Brissett has been good when he's actually been tasked with you know passing the ball and at times running, I'm just not sure they're just running enough plays in general for him to really be all that viable considering his price point. What about the Atlanta side here? We still just have this Atlanta running back problem where they basically split snaps. Um, it's 41 snaps to 25, Freeman to Edo Smith last week. Uh, 11 carries, four targets for Freeman, four and three for Edo Smith. We did see Julio Jones really turn on the afterburners and take it to the house to win that game. He did have 10 targets. Anything you like here in the Atlanta on the Atlanta side? I, I will say that Matt Ryan is sort of starting to sniff around cash games at these price points considering how much they throw the ball. So I know, what are your thoughts on the Atlanta offense? Yeah, I mean, I've been on Julio Jones for, you know, the better part of a year now as my favorite big money wide receiver. He's still relatively cheap here, uh, coming in at 8300 for what we often have to pay uh, for the biggest name guys. Uh, you might see 21 targets this early in the season. You might not actually be that bullish on him as a result, but no, he, he was the most targeted receiver in the NFL last season, averaging around 10 and a half targets a game. Like nobody, nobody will sustain these 15 target, you know, 13 target sort of paces over the course of a whole season. And Julio's shown that he's one of the very few receivers in the whole NFL that can get open enough to be targeted 10 times a game. So still very high on Julio. I don't, you know, we talked a lot about our overall strategy for cash games going into this week on the last podcast. And that strategy, at least right now, doesn't include paying up at wide receiver. So I don't think he'll wind up in our uh, cash game lineups, but I could see him being very prominently featured in my big tournament lineups, you know, say I go down at running back with some riskier high upside plays like Marlon Mack, like Aaron Jones, uh, then I can start to afford Julio Jones. But uh, right now, yeah, not a cash game play for me. All right, Denver goes in and plays the Packers. Packers right now are seven and a half point favorites at home. We did talk about Aaron Jones on the cash game podcast, but then Matt LaFleur came out uh, in the last 24 hours and said this, this quote. He said he wants to keep evening up the quote, evening up the touches between Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Um, when you hear him say, I, this is just driving me absolutely crazy, because like Aaron Jones, again, is coming off just a huge week. We just keep waiting for this guy. He had 29 touches last week. For, but, but again, they were pretty, pretty close in the snap count. When you hear this again from the coach, oh man, it just drives me nuts with this, because I just want to have Aaron Jones be like a 20-plus touch guy every week, and it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. What do we want to do with him? Because he's a 7.5-point favorite here. And we, Jamal Williams just going to be around. Is this is this too much uncertainty to have Jones as a cash game player? Or are we just fine with it just based on what the, how dynamic a runner he is and how they do use him when he is actually on the field? Well, comments like that always kind of sneakily make me think a coach is just totally overwhelmed by what's going on, and which actually takes a lot of confidence away from me, um, you know, just in the team and the offense in general, which was already sort of shaky based on what I've seen so far. Like, it's 100% your choice how many touches each running back gets. So why, how are you going to try to keep evening it up? Like, does sometimes Rodgers just not give the ball to Williams when he's out there, even though you told him to? Like, I don't, I just don't know how that works. So it just seems completely ridiculous to me. As I always have said, I'm always going to trust what a coach does rather than what a coach says. Um, he can have all the intentions in the world of evening things up. Until I see it, I won't really believe it. That being said, it can be enough to dissuade me from playing a guy in cash games because, you know, 6,900 stops looking as good when you get weeks like the first week where Jones had 14 total touches, right? So 
you know, if there were no conversation about this, I would just, I, I would feel a lot happier about it. Um, and again, for big tournaments, I'm willing to take the risk on Jones because I'm not totally confident that Lafleur even knows, like, that he's even part of the plan for how many touches each running back gets, if this is the kind of things he's saying. So, um, yeah, so I, I still am fairly high on him here. Yeah, I think I am too. We did see, I think it was in this note that I read, I can't, maybe it was on Roto World, but uh, they had mentioned that Lafleur had this problem last year with between Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis. Like, and then until finally late in the year, they just said, well, Derrick Henry is actually the guy that should be getting all the touches, not Deion Lewis. And they, and they finally swapped near the end of the season uh, into him just being the sort of bell cow guy. And it just seems like he's just kind of running into the same problems again here. And there's one guy that looks clearly better than the other so uh what any other thoughts here Aaron Rodgers uh Devontae Adams I don't think we, we did talk about Emmanuel Sanders on the Denver side not sure there's too much else to discuss there uh thoughts on the Rodgers and the passing game for the Packers yeah so I like the passing game for the Packers um I don't think well Rodgers and Adams I think are big tournament targets for me I don't see playing them in cash games but I can see that pairing going pretty well uh, Adams also another guy whose price has drifted down a little bit on the basis of essentially not having touchdowns in the first two weeks and one weird game against the Bears. So uh, I think he's at a discount right now. I am intrigued by the, the Broncos passing game, though. Um, you know, a lot of people throw shade at Joe Flacco for understandable reasons. And he's still just better than what the Broncos have had, basically right through that terrible Peyton Manning year to the last OK Peyton Manning year. And, you know, guys like Emmanuel Sanders this is a guy who's flexed huge talent in the past. And he's essentially free. It's 5,700 on FanDuel for a guy that we've seen put up huge numbers in the past. He's kind of like Larry Fitzgerald to me. I think they're actually a very good comp for one another. And they sort of had primes around the same time. And they sort of fell off for similar reasons. Uh, so Sanders so far, 20 targets, 16 receptions, 174 yards, and two touchdowns. Like those are, you, d you did the old blind, would you play this guy challenge for Larry Fitzgerald? I, I think Sanders yeah. qualifies there too. So um, I wouldn't mind frankly, playing both of those guys in cash. Sanders also uh, younger than Fitzgerald. Sanders, you know, not just 32. Like, that's pretty old by NFL standards. But um, we've seen some of these possession receivers, you know, last quite a long time in the league. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'd be happy to play Sanders, frankly, in any format this week. Yeah, um, I think I'm mostly with you, uh, just in terms of the price on FanDuel. He's fully recovered, obviously, from the Achilles, so you, you feel good about just what he's been able to do. They are going to be playing from behind most of the season. I think that that's, I think there's a lot of pretty strong cases for it. He and he fills it, and I think I mentioned on the podcast yesterday he had been the most, he was the most targeted red zone receiver through the first two weeks of the season, and so I think there's just there is just a lot to like about him. There's this kind of logjam of cheaper middle tier wide receivers this week we mentioned Fitzgerald Sanders is another one we got we're gonna have to wait on the Eagles situation there is just kind of a group of guy Tyler Boyd there's a group of these guys that are all sort of jammed together that I think we'll probably when it's all said and done wade through it and just kind of land see where we land in terms of the just salaries and what we're able to get elsewhere but I I'm at least feeling good that I feel like the group is at least it's it's a good looking group right like we're gonna have to only pick probably mm -hmm. three of them and I think whatever three of those are we'll feel probably pretty good about the decisions all said and done. All right, Jets go in to play the Patriots. I'm sorry to laugh already because now we're going to go back-to-back -back on these crazy line games. Patriots are tw they started at minus 20. They're up to minus 22.5-point favorites against the Jets, who uh, are now on their third-string quarterback, Sam Darnold, out with Mono. For the next couple weeks, Trevor Simeon uh, had an ankle injury. Now they're playing with Luke Falk. They do have <laughs> Levy and Bell. It's hilarious. Just 
I don't know, the Jet, this is the Jets. This is gonna be the story of the Jet season. Le'Veon Bell has five percent more touches than the next closest player in the NFL through the first two weeks. Um he's easily touched the ball the most times. And what he's done with them has been marginal because the team is so bad. They're they have ten point their team total is ten point seven five uh, going into this week against the Patriots. Uh, I mean, does the bell touch thing matter to you at all? Just knowing how far they're going to be playing from behind here? Or like, is there some safety in that this guy makes a ton of money? They're going to be losing all these games and it feels like he's at least going to be on the field. Uh, we'll talk about the Patriots in a second here, but just this bell usage is crazy. And the team is so bad. It's, hard, it's a little hard to know what to make of it. Yeah, strictly an upside play from my perspective. I think there's always a chance with Le'Veon Bell, especially when he's touching the ball more than anyone else in the entire NFL. But, like, are the Jets – does Vegas even have the Jets scoring a touchdown in this game? <laughs> like, that's the, the big question mark. Yeah, it's a, touchdown and a f- like, touchdown and a field goal, basically. I, like, that's – Yeah, and that's, that's almost, frankly, hard to imagine. Like, right? Uh, no one has scored a touchdown against the Patriots so far this season. I would take either of the offenses that have played against the Patriots over the Jets' offense with their third-string quarterback, right? I mean, this is, this is crazy territory to me. I, I would be – if you're playing a jet in any format besides a big tournament, you're just cruising for a bruise. So I won't obviously won't touch these guys, even in big tournaments, frankly. I'm, I, I think people will, I don't know. They're, they're pretty unpopular plays. Maybe you will get really low ownership on a guy like Bell. I just yeah, I just see. mostly wanted to talk about that. I was yeah. mostly just, I don't think he's a good play. I'm just mostly speaking that the volume is so crazily, quietly touched the ball easily the most in the NFL, and he's just on such a bad team. It's rare. It's just crazy when you kind of see this stuff. I, we'll talk about the Patriots here. So yeah. last week, uh, I don't, it looks like he's going to play this week. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a bunch of legal stuff that's sitting out there for Antonio Brown. It's a little tough to know what, how anyone views it or whether he's going to play. He is trending toward playing. He played tw- last week. He played. Oh, I just had it. He, I think it was sixty-six. No, seven. There were seventy-two offensive snaps. Antonio Brown only played twenty-four of them, so exactly thirty-three percent of the snaps. And he was targeted eight times in his twenty-four snaps. Uh, so he he had a twenty. He had, excuse me. He had thirty-three percent target share in his in the thirty-three percent of the snaps. What do you think now? Do you think this is a situation where oh, let's just get him going early so he's happy, or is it a situation where? He's like so much better than maybe Tom Brady's had in a long time in terms of overall wide receiver that we might just be looking at a thing like he might just have 20 targets. Like, I, like I, it's a little hard to know what's going to happen with Antonio Brown here because they threw him like 30, 33% target share is like no 30% of the snaps here on the field getting the ball is like in crazy numbers. Could we just be looking at like a 15 target game for Antonio Brown or is it like or, or are we maybe going to get saved a little bit that the, the spread is so much in this game might, it might just be over? Yeah, it's that's a tough one. Uh, Brown was the the surest lock to be a nine thousand dollar receiver that there was in the NFL when things were going well in Pittsburgh, and he's currently seventy seven hundred. That's what I mean. Like um, he, well, so real quick, yeah. just as a comparison, we he, some people about, are going to make a lot of money about when they're a week early on Antonio Brown. That, that's I guess the main thing I'll say. Well, okay, but he's he's uh, he's seventy seven hundred. We talked about Sammy Watkins being a total lock at seventy one hundred. But if you give Antonio Brown just a full thing of snaps, like it stands to reason that the extra ten percent you play for Brown seems not even arguably safer. Like, where do we want to land with it? Are we still just do we just not want to be a week too early on Brown? Like, is he not just we run the risk of him only playing fifty percent of the snaps? Like, I'm kind of just a little confused about where to land with his target share because if we go any higher, he's gonna start he's gonna start really butting up against cash games. Yeah, so I think the comparison for Brown, or the question you would ask, is not really between him and Watkins. It's him between between him and someone like Keenan Allen. So Keenan Allen, seventy eight hundred on FanDuel right now, 
coming off an absolutely huge target week. He's been one of these steady, if unspectacular, plays for quite some time. Who do you like between those two guys? Um, Man, I, I just don't like, know. I I want to I kind of want to say Brown. I, like he, yeah. I, I think I think if this wasn't a twenty-one point spread, I'd probably if it was like a yeah. closer if it was a closer game, I think I'd I, I'd probably say Brown because I think they'd be motivated to just have him out there to win the game, right? The fact that this game just could be well over by halftime. That's probably the only. That's probably the only reason I'll say Keenan Allen and frankly, Sammy Watkins as well, because they just aren't going to need to keep their foot on the gas. I don't think so. I think if this was a, you know, okay. a, an eight point spread against someone like the Bills, I'm just making that up. But if it was a game so like the Packers, yeah, yeah, the Packers, any really anybody, like almost anybody else in the NFL except for the Dolphins and Jets who are just so bad. I, like I really maybe the Giants too. The except for those really bottom of the barrel teams, I'd probably say Brown, and I think we'll probably just get saved a little bit in the set or make the decision easier by thinking that the game is just going to be over and he's just not going to need to play. So I think in the end, I'll take the context over the actual talent because there's going to be a week here where it's going to be a closer game. And I think we can give him, if we give him like 11 or 11 and a half targets or something that, which might look reasonable, uh, he's going to be a 9,000 or higher wide receiver just with Tom Brady. All right. Uh, the next game is the Dolph. The other one of these crazy line games is the Dolphins going and play Dallas. We did talk extensively about Zeke. I think you see Zeke as a cash game uh, chalk play this week in turn in the higher tier. I don't. I think he's probably the safe. He he probably just is the safest play that you're going to get in the week, especially if Dallas wants to just really bring him fully into the offense, which looks like the plan. Now the question I will have for you though is, this season, Dak Prescott is second in the league in fantasy scoring. He is he's completed 82% of his passes. He is the third most passing yards, and he's second in the league in rushing yards with 81. Should we just have like maybe talked about Dak Prescott a little bit more as a cash game quarterback? I feel like we talked about Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, but where does Dak rate for you with that group? Because he's right with them in terms of fantasy scoring so far through the first two games of the season. Yeah, I think Dak is going to be very highly owned uh, this week because he's also not. You don't have to pay nearly as much as uh, for Dak as you do for Mahomes in or in particular, and I think that that's the comp uh, people are making more so than the Jackson comp. Like, I don't feel, I feel like people don't trust the Jackson thing quite as much as they trust the Dak thing. Uh, he's 100 cheaper. He's got the absolute dream matchup against Miami. I think some of it for me is, like, some of the reason why I might blink at playing Dak and Cash is the, the same reasons that you're blinking at playing Antonio Brown, which is, you know, sometimes it's hard to return value in a passing game when your team is going to win by three scores, you know, like, like, if you're out there and Zeke punches in the first touchdown and then there's, like, a defensive touchdown, all of a sudden you're really, like, you know, trying to squint to figure out how Dak is going to get to 24 fantasy points or whatever, right? right? So, um, not that it's impossible, but with seven touchdowns through the first two games against abysmal competition in the Giants and the Redskins, um, I just don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know how sustainable that pace is, obviously, nor do I know how much you can really guess that that's going to be the case in a game where they, they have every incentive to just set up, set up the run, you know, just sink into that and then just run the game out in the second half. So, yeah, play, totally good option. I, I think he should be in our conversations as we're trying to really fine-tune those Sunday lineups when we really get down to it. And I do have some reservations here. Any interest in either of these lines, like just going, not, not, not betting the money line on either of these teams, but just when you look at these crazy plus 22, like right now it's Jets plus 22 and a half. Dolphins plus 21 and a half. Do you think there's a, t- a point at which 
these Vegas – I mean, we're still talking about NFL teams they're playing against, right? Like, this isn't like – this isn't a Division One and AA college team against Alabama. This is – these are still professionals. I know the, the Dolphins are trading away all their good professionals, but the um, – any interest in either of these betting lines just in terms of, like, sort of unprecedented numbers for what we've seen in terms of just underdogs in the NFL? Yeah, I think if you take – like, don't bet the money line. <laughs> these teams aren't no. going to win. Um, but you take the Dolphins in the points, the Jets in the points – I love both of those bets. I mean, there's a reason why you never see lines that are three scores or more. It's just because it's really hard for two teams in the NFL to be that far apart. Um, I get that the Pats, people think this is like some historic team. Um, and I get that with the Dolphins, that people think this is a, an historically bad team. If I had to pick one, I would say the Dolphins. You know, I, I get that they've traded away even more good players since the season's begun. But this is essentially the same roster we started the season with. So you'd have to look at the Dolphins and look at especially that terrible loss to the Patriots and say, okay, this is like, this is the worst. This ha they would have to be the worst team of all time to be three point three score dogs to anyone except for the Patriots. So I think the Dolphins are, are one of my favorite bets of the week. All right, if you like that bet, and if you're out there and you want to support the show, you go to mybookie.ag. It's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.ag. You can double your initial deposit by using the promo code OVERTIME. That's our podcast network. So O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E -E is the promo code. It's for that, that initial deposits for first-time customers over. We love MyBookie. We've been using it for years. You can go over there too. Support the show. Support the podcast network. MyBookie.ag. You, you bet you win. You get paid. And I, I, James, like the, I, I think I'm with you. I think these, these numbers are just totally nuts. I get it. Um, I get why. I'm the, right now. As I we can't. speak, I'm on MyBookie and I'm placing the bet. So. There you go. You don't even need, you're not a first time customer. So we're not going to get the juju from that, but it's still good enough. To put our money where our <laughs> mouth is. All right. Take a quick break. Be right back. If you're headed to a game this year and you need tickets, there's only one place to go and that's vivid seats. It's super easy. You go to the app store, download the vivid seats app. You use the promo code overtime. That's O V E R T I M E. And you save up to a hundred dollar on all ticket purchases first-time customers only. Once again, Vivid Seats, use the promo code OVERTIME. It's that easy. Get tickets, go to the game. You won't regret it. Let's roll through some more of these games. Oakland goes in and plays Minnesota, the Vikings in Minnesota. Vikings here started at eight-point favorites at home, now up to nine and a half. Your yards per your, no, excuse me, he's second in yards per carry this season. After you know who actually is averaging I mean, this is for more than twenty five carries. You have any guess who's averaging the most yards per carry as a running back this season um, with more than twenty five carries? Hmm. Does Matt Breida have twenty five carries? Oh, good question. He has twenty seven, and he actually has less than these two guys per carry. Oh, I should have been paying more attention. I was placing my bet on my bookie. It's okay. I'll just um, tell you so we don't because I, I don't know what game I don't know what game you were rolling up on. So then that would probably help. Oh, okay. So I, no, I, yeah, yeah. I sorry. I, I teased it. It was the it's the Minnesota game. So Dalvin Cook is averaging yeah, six okay. and a half. He's averaging <laughs> six and a half yards a carry so far this season, and he has three rushing touchdowns. The actual leader in yards per carry so far, Saquon Barkley is averaging 7.83 yards per carry for this Giants team. They just can't find ways to keep him on the field or get him the ball. It's Imagine. crazy how he's so good, and the Giants are so bad. What a shame. This is going to be this is going to be the story of his young career, his early part of his career. Anyway, Dalvin Cook is now a nine and a half point favorite uh, at and the rest of the Vikings. But we, you know, I mentioned this in terms of these running backs with home favorite lines that we just love to see. The guy they want to give the ball to, he's an absolutely electric runner. He's able to break off big games or big runs with really just about anyone in the league. <laughs> Saquon Barkley, uh, he's in that group, I guess, as well. 
8,300 on FanDuel. He's uh, around the same price. He's 7,800 on DraftKings. Is do we just maybe need to lock and load him? I feel like there's. I feel like I'm gonna end up looking at some of these lineups, and I'm just me wishing on some guys that I feel like should be in lineups. I, I Cook is one. If you saw Cook at 50% ownership this week, and we had him, or we did not have him, what would you be feeling? And is that gonna be enough to kind of maybe sneak him into some cash games here? I'd feel pretty concerned to be honest. I think he is an excellent play. This, but this is sort of the problem, or maybe the theme of the week for me right now, which is that there's just a lot of really good plays, you know, yep. at multiple positions, and I think where where we wind up falling off the chalk sometimes see I, th- I think sometimes the way the chalk goes is people decide on who they think the best plays are and then they just spend the last little bit of money at the end um so they're like eh, these are all the guys that need to be in my lineup and then i have six thousand dollars for my flex spot so who's the best six thousand dollar play this is just how people make lineups by hand it's how we did it for years uh, once we developed this lineup optimizer and really tested it against that other strategy of try to jam all the chalk guys and then fill in the rest of the money, you see that it's a really significant difference in terms of overall expectation. And so our lineup optimizer might look at it and say, like sometimes you'll see a guy like Dalvin Cook as the best overall points per dollar play at the position and still not wind up in our optimal lineups because, you know, there are just concessions that need to be made at other positions, right? So that's kind of the thing I would be concerned about in, you know, just recommending anyone. It's like a lock. You have to play this guy. At such a crowded position when it's a, a wide open or when it's an empty position and you only have like a couple playable options sure you can speak with that kind of like definitive mindset at such a position i mean think about the guys we talked about yesterday like zeke uh, austin eckler dalvin cook um like just right there those are three guys that i all feel like are just fantastic plays and we haven't even gotten to saquon barkley or mccaffrey or you know all these other guys too so um i think I think I said this about tight end running back feels this way to me this week as well, where I just have great plays across all the price tiers. So given that I have that level of flexibility, I'm far more likely to want to let running back lie as it, as it comes and say like, okay, if I wind up without one of the chalk running backs, I'll be fine if I can prioritize the really good plays at other positions. So um, that's kind of how I'm looking at it this week. I'll tell you right now, our lineup, second overall lineup on FanDuel, as it currently stands, has Zeke, Cook, and Eckler all in it. Um, I, that is something that I can sink my teeth into, I think. Uh, the other lineup ha- makes uh, spends a little bit more up a wide receiver. I don't think that I'm gonna end up, we're going to end up wanting to go that route, even though I get why our system is sort of not defaulting to this, but having a little trouble. Because like you said, a lot of these guys are just are just falling into these same price range, price ranges and overall expectation ranges, and everyone's going to need to decide where the ultimate safety sort of ends up lying. Uh, anything else that you like about this game? Uh, people wanted to play Josh Jacobs last game against the Chiefs. I never kind of got that and was thankfully paid off to the fact that we didn't get it and didn't really do it. Uh, they have 17 implied points coming into this week. Uh, I, I'm not really all that interested in the running game, but we did play We ran Tyrell Williams and Darren Waller out in cash games last week too. Can you see us rolling back a strategy like that? Uh, yeah, potentially. Uh, Jacobs right now also listed as questionable. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. Um, although I read a hilarious quote when people asked him, like, hey, are you going to play this week? He said that he didn't want to be labeled as soft, so he was going to come back. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it's maybe not totally your choice also. Like, the team kind of has a big investment in you. And, uh, you know, who knows? But I even, like, Jacobs already, he's another great yards per carry guy so far. I certainly wouldn't feel inclined to force him uh, by any stretch. We did see Tyrell Williams be chalk. He did pay off on the chalk uh, thanks to catching that tight or, uh, touchdown. 
He's not that much more expensive than he was last week, but I think the new information we have, first of all, he's also questionable with a hip injury. Second of all, the fact that he only got, like he's now on seven targets a week, two, two, two weeks in a row. Um, unless he's scoring touchdowns, that's not really going to be enough to sustain, you know, very high fantasy ownership for me. So uh, I like Waller probably best of this whole group, uh, followed by Williams. And then I'm keeping an eye on that running back situation because, you know, if that running back situation does open up, you know, maybe someone like Jalen Richard, uh, if someone is named the feature back coming in for Jacobs, there could be some value there. Yeah, I agree with that. We're gonna have some. There are there is gonna be some other injury news that we're gonna really need to monitor going into typically Friday. We record this Thursday. Friday is when we get a little bit more definitive news on some of the injury stuff. But there's really never enough injury stuff to wait around for a whole other 24 hours to record the podcast. That's why we try to get this out on Thursday and we just adjust our projections as the news comes in. Bengals go in and play the Bills. They, the Bills here are six-point favorites. We were on the Josh Allen as a cash game play last week against the Giants. 25 implied points here for the Bills. He has been able to get enough stuff done sort of on the ground. He ran for running another rushing touchdown last week. He's never going to be an accurate passer. He does have a few. It seems like he has a few more weapons to, at his disposal, at least in the passing game. Uh, where do you rank Josh Allen in terms of this quarterback list that, we've, that we're liking a lot of guys here? I don't think I'm going to be on it for cash games, but I do think there's – personally, I think there's still a lot of upside for GBPs. Yeah, I mean, we saw at the end of last season, Josh Allen always has to be in your rotation uh, for big tournaments. And, you know, this, again, a good good spot to highlight some game theory here when we're talking about big tournament strategy. You know, people will look at someone like Josh Allen and be like, man, you just never know with this guy. Like some weeks he'll get in there and he'll have a couple rushing touchdowns and then some weeks he won't. And to, to which I would respond, yeah, exactly. That's why you like him for big tournaments because the price is suppressed by the lack of consistency. And the upside is just magnified by this incredible uh, rushing upside, like 17 carries through the first three games, or first two games, rather. And I would say only at around 3.5 yards per attempt right now, That's that could go way up for him. I mean, we saw 10 carries for 100 yards out of him and stuff last season. So, uh, yeah, Allen, I think lurking is one of those quiet, excellent big tournament options that uh, people might be sleeping on now after he didn't really flex that upside in the first two weeks. Yeah, Bengals defense, nothing to write home about. This is there's just a lot of weeks. There, excuse me, a lot of games this week that just have really big spreads. I mean, we just rolled through five in a row. That was uh, seven and a half, twenty-two and a half, twenty-one and a half, nine and a half, and now six, and now minus six. And there's another one coming up too. There's just there's just not a lot of games projected to be close this week. Uh, and there's just a lot of teams that are just that look to score a lot of points. The Bills, the Bills imply for 25 points as a favorite. It's just like that's I don't know that we we never would have seen that last season. There was some concern about Devin Singletary. Keep an eye on that as an inj- a piece of injury news, mostly for the Frank Gore. Uh, like I'm not really interested in either any of the running games here. They haven't shown the willingness. They, they did run Gore a lot last week because they were winning late. So I guess if you want to sneak in some late carries on him, he is the guy that's going to grind the game out. But if Singletary was that what was going to be out, it really would look like they would probably lean on Gore even more. So I'd only want to do that again if if Singletary was just clearly out of the game. We'll keep an eye on that news as it goes. Baltimore goes in and plays KC. KC, minus six-point favorites here. The game started at 54 over-under and is now down to 52. It came down evenly pretty much on both sides. Uh, Sammy Watkins is in every lineup. I'm giving, I'm giving a little con- – I, 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 I don't know if I should be concerned here, but sort of a, a thought that's running through my head. So originally I'd say Sammy Watkins, total lock for me, 13 targets last week, didn't totally pay off. But if you're going to get this many targets or anything close to it in the Chiefs offense, you're just a must at these prices. And then I kind of keep looking at all these mid-tier wide receivers and wonder if I'm 
was a little overboard on Watkins to start about calling him like sort of a must play because now we've talked about and if it, would ha- if it had the ability to pay up for a, a more running backs. What are your thoughts here? If Watkins ended up being cost prohibitive to keep us, let's say, keep us away from three lock kind of running back guys that we see, like that the group that we talked about before, would you be willing to sacrifice him uh, in terms of lineups? Because I'm it's something I'm kind of kind of tossing around in my head. Maybe um, I think especially as more value is sort of opened up as. Um, you know, injury news is coming throughout the week. Like we're seeing, you know, like Nelson Aguilar, you know, if like if, if you look at him and you say he has 11 targets last week, um, you know, there's all these injury question marks with the passing game in Philadelphia right now. If all of a sudden you can play him at 4,800 and we already talked about Sanders and Fitzgerald at that sub $6,000 price range, then maybe you could see a world where Watkins was the odd man out. You know, I, I don't think, one thing I think I don't want to do is I don't want to go, with someone like Keenan Allen or Antonio Brown over him, I don't think. I don't think I want to pay up at this position. I think I would prefer to take savings, um, you know, in some of these still undervalued guys uh, from my perspective. So, yeah, I guess that's kind of how I see the position. I, I think I really want to play Watkins, but, and this is, and the only reason I think we can usually speak more definitively about locks at wide receiver is that you just have to play so many of them. Right. <laughs> but um, it's like, you know, it's oftentimes hard to, unseat the top guy at the beginning of the week but there are exceptions to that rule so um, trying to stay open-minded you know in, in this game and dfs in general you just can't get locked into this is my guy i'm playing him no matter what other news comes in this week so that's uh if you ever notice that we're not like flip-flopping we're just adapting to new information as it comes along yeah and i that's kind of wanted to, why i wanted to say it out loud because this is the, what i've been kind of looking at like he's got such a great projection and, I, and it makes sense and i want to play him and I just I, I want to make sure we're, I'm fully understanding the, the you know the, the the relative safety around this position as opposed to running back. And I think that's just kind of where I'm landing with Watkins now. I just uh, this will be something that we'll kind of have to shake out as the week as as we get closer to Sunday because I'm just getting a little I'm getting a little concerned about it. The other guy I want to mention here too is Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown, 13 targets last week. Um, we saw him just really break off a ton of great stuff in week one. And they just really didn't have to use him anymore. Uh, it's really for the second half because they just kind of were able to keep the ball on the ground. But in terms of just target share and uh, just huge upside, getting him into the plays that just can generate a lot of fantasy points. How far, how close is Marquise Brown to you for cash games at this point? If he's just going to be, if he's just going to be Lamar Jackson's feature wide receiver and just not necessarily a possession guy because Andrews is that. But where does Marquise Brown kind of fit into cash games for you? Because I feel like he's probably in that tier that we've been mentioning already this like middle tier of guys with nice floors and also nice upside yeah he's in the playable group for me for sure I think I pointed out that in that Miami game you know almost all of Marquise Brown's production came in the first quarter you know he scored two touchdowns and had like 130 yards receiving um, in the first quarter which is what put that game out of reach against Miami so I think the plan is for him to be the most targeted guy in the offense and there are just going to be games like this one rates out to be this way where they can't just sit there and pound the run and, and run out the clock, right? I mean, Baltimore's a touchdown underdog in this game. So um, with Brown being their most electric sort of catch-up option, I think you could see a huge game from him here for sure. All right, next game, we have Detroit going in and playing the Eagles. Eagles, six-and-a-half-point favorites. Did start at seven-and-a-half for the Eagles, came down a point. Uh, you know, nothing too significant here. The over/under started at forty-eight and a half, and actually dropped two and a half points. That is a decent, that is a decent duck down from where it opened. 
But still, we get the Eagles coming in as favorites. They have a bunch of injury issues going on here, especially in the wide receiver core with Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson, both day-to-day right now. Dallas Goddard looks like he's not going to play, so I guess we're going to see probably even more tight ends. Not like he can get a ton more, but uh, maybe possibly just makes Ertz even safer. But not, not having this information, can we not? how definitive can we be on the targets here with not knowing with the Alshon and Deshaun piece of it with Nelson Aguilar. Are we just going to need to wait for definitive news? Would you feel as good about Aguilar if one of these guys played? Like, let's say just Jeffrey played. I'm just kind of making this up. Just to, I want just to, you know, shine light on how we kind of evaluate situations like that. If just one of them played, would we be less inclined to play a guy like Aguilar? Right now he's in all the lineups, but I kind of have it because I, I'm, I was working to the assumption that neither Jeffrey nor Jackson were going to play. So I think if we only get one of those guys, then Aguilar is still playable. Maybe not exciting, but I think that he's definitely, for me at least, still in the conversation. And that's for a couple reasons. So, you know, as we've gone through these sorts of opportunities in the past across all sports, I think we've developed, I think, a pretty sound approach when it comes to dealing with different punts. And it's why it's the type of approach that would lead us to not play McCole Hardman last week, you know, where uh, oftentimes... People get hurt, and then the DFS industry spins into speculation, like who's going to step in and be the next guy to kind of inherit all this missed opportunity. In basketball, we have a pretty good way to evaluate that, right? If someone is the starter, we know they're at least going to be on the court for some significant period of time. It doesn't always work out, but we can often know that's the case. In football, it just doesn't really matter sometimes if you're the supposed starter, if you are, you know, if Antonio Brown is out for the Steelers, like, you just don't know what the trickle-down effect is going to be like. So um, I would, when I'm looking at the Eagles in particular, if let's say we're vacating one of those big guys' targets, let's say Alshon Jeffrey. As I'm looking to where those targets would go, I would say, okay, well, some of them will probably go to Zach Ertz. Um, some of them will probably go to Aguilar. And then I would be very uncertain. One of the things, traps I see people falling into already is thinking about playing uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. So Whiteside... He had 75 snaps last week, right? So this guy was on the field. He had four targets, turned that into one catch. And that's it. And that's basically right. the sum of his NFL accomplishments so far. So I guess my question for those people, the Arcega Whiteside people, is like, where, like, what do you think is going to change going into this week? Do you think he's, you know, he was already on the field for the entire game. So we know that already. If he was already on the field for the entire game and could only turn that into four yards... Like, it's just complete speculation that he's going to turn that into any more uh, versus Aguilar, who we saw go out there um, in similar conditions to Arcega Whiteside and turn that into 170 yards and a touchdown. So I think when you're deciding between those guys, Aguilar is the very clear top option for me. I don't think I want to play both. I don't think I really want to play Arcega Whiteside under any circumstances here. Um, but yeah, there are a bunch of conditions where I think Aguilar would be a great play. Yeah, I think, again, we're just going to need to wait for definitive news. I And Ertz... I, I, it's all just going to be a trickle down effect. If all these guys play, then I think we're out of we're out on Ertz and Aguilar. If none of them play, then these guys become crazy great options. This is what we'll be looking at as we lead into Sunday. Uh, the run game is too speculative. Miles Sanders was on this field for 35 snaps, he rushed the ball 10 times. Howard was out there for 18 snaps, rushed the ball eight times. I I really want no part in this running game, not even from an upside perspective. I'm just not interested in it. I just don't think you're I don't think you're really getting away with much. All right, into the four o'clock games. Giants go in and play the Bucks. I did mention Jameis Winston as a possible cash game play. I've kind of downgraded that opinion a little bit. Uh, I do I still think he's a great GBP play. 
and he's probably close for me in cash. Except I'll just take the I'll just take the safety around some of these other guys that we mentioned already because Winston does become a little too speculative here. And that being said, 27.25 implied points going in against a backup quarterback. I know that backup quarterback doesn't play defense, but maybe just on the field more. Uh, thoughts on this game from a Giants perspective with Daniel Jones, what we do with that team, we just kind of take a wait and see. And then give me your thoughts here on week one fantasy darlings, Tampa Bay. We, they were in a Thursday game last week, so we didn't have to talk about them as much. They had a lot of ownership around guys like Godwin. What are your, and, and Jameis, too. He was, a chalk, he was the chalk cash game play uh, in week one. What are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, so I think you're maybe a little nuts to start paying the increased prices on Godwin now. Um, you know, so he's got 15 targets, 11 catches, 174 yards, and two touchdowns over the course of the first two games this season. That's pretty good. Um, but now again, he's priced in the same price range as guys like Keenan Allen and Antonio Brown. I think the other major trap we see people fall into from a DFS perspective is looking at these guys and, you know, ignore, like getting bored by a great long but not super exciting track record like Keenan Allen's um, and then getting really excited to project continued growth for guys like Godwin who's a good player and maybe even a great player but we just haven't seen it quite yet so I don't know why you want to pay all-time high prices for that at least not in cash and likewise for big tournaments I think he's the type of guy that people are going to be dreaming on for upside as well so I just don't know you know really where you're getting your money uh, by playing Chris Godwin uh, Winston, I do think is interesting. I think, you know, you made a solid case for him being sort of undervalued overall after a weird beginning to the season here. He's a guy that showed big time upside last year. He has arguably, you know, better weapons this year as uh, guys like Howard and Godwin have matured. Um, we haven't seen it yet either. And I think you'll be probably out on an island if you decide to roll him out there in cash games this week. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Again, I think I'm off the. I'm probably just pivoting off this cash game idea. It was it was really just a guy to throw in there in in, in sort of a lower price tier. Uh, I do love him. Again, I love the upside here. I think that the ten games to ten days to prepare is going to make a difference. I do think the Giants moving to Jones can't be really viewed as much more than at least a lateral move in terms right. of quarterback. Eli was just that bad. I, it's really hard to say. Like he was the the ball barely leave his arm. He never threw the ball downfield. Now, they have no weapons or really anything to speak of, except for Barkley, who is an insane weapon and just just forced into purgatory having to be on this team. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think uh, – I don't want to play Jones at all in cash. And I also think that the Giants – there's some case we made the Giants maybe just improve off, off this move because Eli was so bad. Any interest in Ingram, any interest in Barkley, uh, knowing that people are probably going to be off him with just the new guy behind center, it doesn't seem like a terrible spot to me because I just don't have any trust in Tampa Bay either. What are your thoughts here quickly on the Giants? Yeah, I mean, again, not not a huge amount of interest uh, unless we're talking about big tournaments here. Uh, I do have my eye on the Giants' wide receiving situation. Uh, both Latimer and Shepard are questionable with concussions right now. Uh, there are different stages in the protocol, but neither of them is taking contact in practice right now. So, um, you know, that does open up targets. You know, the quality of those targets, we're not going to be sure until we see what Daniel Jones can do under center. Uh, but Benny Fowler the third, my guy, picked him up in my 14-team uh, league with the DFSR chatters. Ten targets last week, Doug, after I uh, I sent you a message about him, and then you appropriately rebuffed me, telling me he, he was unplayable. Still, ten targets? Come on, let's go. Benny Fowler <laughs> season, baby. You heard it here first. <laughs> I don't know. That's interesting. I'm glad they made the move. Eli was done. Might as well just move on now. The team's not really sure. going to win any games. See what you have. Uh, and again, he, after watching that Giants game last week, it feels like it can't be worse in terms of what like the kind of the, right. the passes that Eli was cho- choosing to throw and where the ball was landing. Carolina goes in and plays Arizona. 
this game, uh, I don't know if Cam has been officially ruled out. Out the Vegas has him being out because the line started at minus two and a half Carolina on the road and is now swapped over to one and a half at home for Arizona. So it was a four point shift in line that does that only that kind of line shift only happens when a quarterback was supposed to play and then doesn't play. That no other player in the NFL, really almost any sport, but specifically the NFL, uh, can move a line that dramatically. So even if he has not been labeled out yet. It sure looks like he's going to be. Uh, thoughts on what we do with Carolina's offense in general, knowing that they're going to be moving to Kyle Allen here. Um, Cam was another one of these guys that I get Cam Newton's name, and I get that he went to a Super Bowl and uh, all this other stuff. The guy was has been absolutely abysmal to start this season. Um, do we want to downgrade, keep the same, um, upgrade? I can't imagine we do that. But what are your thoughts here quickly on what we do with guys like McCaffrey, DJ Moore, uh, Curtis Samuel has seen some targets. Uh, thoughts quickly on Carolina, and then we'll briefly talk about Arizona. We talked about that a decent amount yesterday in the podcast. Yeah, I mean, Allen played a game last year, started against New Orleans, didn't look overmatched, um, like in the way that some rookie quarterbacks can. Uh, he did have five carries for 19 yards and a touchdown in that game, too, so a flash a little bit on the ground. Uh, in my opinion, kind of an interesting big tournament upside guy just because he's absolutely free. Uh, and to your point, sometimes when these quarterbacks get old, they get really old really fast, uh, especially running guys like Cam. So, um, not writing off the Panthers offense for my big tournaments. I think you would be probably a little crazy to uh, just start jamming them in your cash game lineups, though. So uh, that's kind of my Panthers thoughts right now. Yeah, I think we can't really play McCaffrey in cash. There's too many other guys that are just no. out there. Um, I, I, It sucks because he's one of these very few guys that just can get all the looks in the offense. He's averaging 17 and a half carries. Uh, and eight and a half targets per game to start the season, and look, you just can't. It's just there's just too many. There's too much of a team in flux to really trust the running back. Mm-hmm. They're and they're also road underdogs as well. So probably when it's all said and done, McCaffrey's X out of these cash game lineups in favor of a guy like Zeke, and then some of the other like a guy like Dalvin Cook. I, I think I just probably have a little more faith, in, at least in the situation and knowing what we're going to get. I mentioned we talked a lot about Arizona. Yes, uh, excuse me. In the last podcast, we talked about Kyler Murray just being a cash game option at his price point this week. I'm still very nothing that's happened here has moved me off uh, that as a play. We talked about Fitz as uh, as a cash game play as well. Uh, what about David Johnson? He did leave the game early last game, uh, but he came back and ended up scoring a touchdown. Where do you put him in that group of running backs that are viable? Uh, probably not cash games, but does he got that you could see having some upside? In a game where they're finally they're, they are favored going into the game, he only had seven carries in a target last game. But again, he got hurt. He played in only half the snaps. Yeah, I mean the only way I often wind up evaluating ownership for guys outside of our you know little DFSR sphere is our chatters, who I think are oftentimes customers of more than one outfit, where they read all the they just like to read stuff about this. So, uh, but they were talking about David Johnson as a potential chalk cash game option this week, which you know was sort of surprising to me, uh, given that. He really hasn't done a whole lot so far this season. I mean, I get that Baltimore is a tough defense, but Arizona still scored points in that game. And I know David Johnson was banged up, but seven carries for 14 yards. All of a sudden, this is giving me flashbacks to David Johnson of last year, where uh, people were just absolutely married to giving the guy the longest leash ever at like, you know, price points granted significantly higher than this one. Um, But, you know, when he was still like in the mid 8,000s and higher, I don't know, man. Like at some point, you know, running backs have these very strange... Uh, shelf lives in the NFL and Johnson was bad enough last season understandable a different coach etc etc but I really haven't seen a whole lot from him so far and I think again people are all over this you know just seeing it and saying like hey they're favorites now he'll be fine this is the he's super cheap all of those things I completely understand 
and at some point it might be throwing good money after bad. I don't know. I Maybe I'm being overly bearish about Johnson, but I just don't have a good feeling about the situation right now. Yeah, I, it's the price. He's 7000 on FanDuel. He's the same price as Aaron Jones, basically. Like, he's in that group of guys, and it's just going to be what you want to dream on here. Is he David Johnson? That was a lock number one overall fantasy pick going, you know, as of two years ago. Then, then of course, then he's way too cheap. Is he just something different now? Like, he, I, I, I think I'm mostly with you. And this is the week where this is the kind of the week where you find out they played in a crazy negative game script week one. They were just down so early and played catch up the whole game. Uh, so, sort of the same way last week against Baltimore. So if, you, if there's a situation where they find themselves just winning by a touchdown or 10 points to start a game, then I think, you know, seeing 16 carries and four targets out of him or something like that really wouldn't be crazy or more. And I just, yeah, this is a tough one to evaluate because with the new coach, they just haven't had to lean on him nor had the opportunity to do it. And there's some chance that, hey, look, there's not an insignificant chance that 7,000 is the lowest we see him for the rest of the season. I don't know. Like, that would that shock you if he was just an $8,000 running back going forward? I, I wouldn't be, that, that wouldn't blow my mind. It's just, it's just hard to see it. It's just hard to see it right now. So we can kind of evaluate this one. If the line creeps up any more, if the line creeps any more for Arizona, like, if we get to, like, minus three, I don't think we're going to get there. That's probably too heavy of a lift. I think we can start really probably considering it because I think that would be on the back of, of someone like Johnson. Um, but I think we'll probably have to wait and see. And as of right now, I don't think I want to go there and cash. And I 100% get why other people would want to. All right, Texans go in and play the Chargers. Chargers are three-point home favorites. We talked about Eckler as a cash game play. You love Eckler. I'm on it. We're on that guy as well. I think we see him as one of these like bordering up against elite usage kind of guys. Uh, Keenan Allen's another guy. Like He's had so many targets, again, for the first couple weeks. He's clearly Rivers' favorite guy to throw to. This is many seasons of this. He just he had another 15 targets last week, yeah. 8 for 98, no touchdowns. Uh, he's another one like on DraftKings for the PPR. If you're ta- I, I, he's not going to sustain 15 targets, but this guy has been among the highest targeted guys when he's healthy. He's a 7,000 right now. Would we sacrifice maybe a, a, a third running back? in an effort to just play a guy like Allen, who is among the most elite target guys in the game and doesn't seem like he's priced as one at this point. Yeah, so I think Allen is a guy you don't sacrifice to go out and get, but I think you're very happy if he's kind of like quietly finds his way into your lineups. Um, I just think that the lack of touchdown upside does sometimes limit him on some level. Like, so last year, you know, he had, so last two years, I think are good examples of this. 136 targets last year, 159 targets the year before. So you're looking at 295 total targets. Holy cow, so many targets. 12 touchdowns total. Um, and I think that's, uh, and we saw just one touchdown so far this year. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, great play. I just think that you don't need to force them in there, I guess is my, my overall perspective here. No one else had more than six targets on this team last week. Eckler had six, and then Mike Williams had five. Now, Williams did get – he's more of a downfield guy. He went three for 83, so he's going to get some of those longer looks. But, again, when you're talking about the elite target guys in the NFL, Keenan Allen is clearly there. Speaking of elite target guys, against going on the other side of the field here, DeAndre Hopkins is just another – just we see weeks after weeks of, of him – getting crazy targets even at, like, last week is only eight targets, but he was heavily targeted in week one uh, last week. They didn't really have to do it because the game was, they had the game in hand. Where do you see him in maybe playing catch up? Because when it comes to overall target share, he's another one of these guys that ranks just about as high as, as it comes in the game, considering that Watson just will, will, will force the ball even to him in certain situations. 
Yeah, there's nothing that I can say about Hopkins that you know wouldn't apply to Jones, Julio Jones, and some of these other plays, which is that he obviously is going to be on the short list of guys you're going to consider uh, for paying up at wide receiver. And right now, I'm not paying up at wide receiver, so that's kind of unfortunately where I land for him. Like you know, I'll, I'll have him here and there. Uh, he'll be in that rotation with Jones and some other guys, but yeah, not in cash games for me. A uh, couple more games left here. Saints go in and play the Seahawks. Seahawks are four-and-a-half-point favorites uh, against New Orleans, who is going to be without Drew Brees for the next six weeks. We talked again briefly there, uh, I think, the last game, last podcast or maybe two ago, about uh, the over-under on number of wins for Teddy Bridgewater as a starting quarterback was six-and-a-half, which seemed you know, was plus money, like plus 150, which seemed mm-hmm. crazy. And now there's word that the Saints have not – even named Bridgewater the starter for this week. There's some speculation that ta- that Taysom that Taysom Hill is going to be the quarterback. Now Hill has taken these snaps in like these trick packages and this other stuff that they've run over the last couple of years. You know, you return punts as well. He was kind of the guy they never knew exactly where they wanted to have him on the field, but always kind of just wanted to have him on the field. That's like what the Saints have sort of done with him over the last couple of seasons. He played quarterback in college as well. So, I mean, what if Taysom Hill got the start here? He's an electric guy. I, like. How would we evaluate him as a fantasy prospect? I always kind of want to be bullish on this fantasy prospect, mostly because there's a chance he runs a ton. Um, I wouldn't want to do it in cash games, I don't think, because there wouldn't be enough track record here. But what are we going to do with the rest of the Saints team if Taysom Taysom Hill just ends up being the starter? Kamara, Thomas, do we just have to kill these guys from a fantasy perspective going forward? Or, you know, what are your thoughts? This one's a very tough one for me to evaluate. Yeah, I mean... I'm not going to play any of these guys in cash this week, for sure. Uh, I'm going to be just sitting and continuing to gather information. Uh, Tom is very cheap, so I don't want to write him off again for big tournament plays. Um, you know, are talking about a guy who basically did exactly the same thing with Breeze and with Bridgewater under center in the last two weeks. 10 catches on 13 targets, uh, 200 and something total yards here, 212 total yards. So, yeah, I mean, that's good production on an $8,000 price tag. Uh, hasn't punched in any touchdowns yet so far, but if the Saints are going to score, you'd have to figure uh, Thomas would be on the short list of guys that would be likely to do that. So, yeah, I mean, you can dream on the upside, and I don't know what you're doing with all of the great options. I mean, doesn't it seem like we just have terrific options at every position this week? Why speculate? You know, this is this is not how you make your money in DFS cash games, by sticking your neck out and going out on a limb and any other cliche you want to think about uh, because... Yeah, it's just not. So won't touch him for cash. And like we've said so many times, uh, many players are playable in big tournaments, and these guys are certainly on that list. What about the Seattle uh, side of things? Russell Wilson has been viable in the past. Um, Chris Carson's a guy that we wanted to play in cash games. He was only 43 to 26 snaps, 15 carries to 10 for Rashad Penny last week. And then Tyler Lockett saw, out of nowhere, Mm -hmm. sort of 12 targets. He went 10 for 79. Uh, Thoughts on the Seattle side of things? They are home favorites. It's a good spot here for Seattle. Well, Lockett's a funny guy because he he saw some cash game ownership in week one and bare, just bailed people out completely with one 44-yard reception for a touchdown. Uh, had two targets total in that Cincinnati game. And it's funny because prior to week one, people were looking at that Seattle offense. That's one that contains some upside. And the buzz was like, well, if you're going to play Wilson, you got to pair Lockett with them. Like these two could be a huge you know, duo this season. And then he does basically nothing in week one. And then people are totally off it. Ugh, two targets week one, disgusting. <laughs> he just has 12 targets against Pittsburgh. Uh, I tend to hate guys like this for cash because, you know, we've just seen it time and time again. And Wilson is this way, especially. Like, I'd love to see the long list of fantasy viable ball catchers that Wilson has sustained over the course of his 
career. Uh, there have been like brief Doug Baldwin stretches, and that's about it. So, I, yeah, man, Lockett. I get I get the the sales pitch on Lockett. I think if I'm comparing him to what I believe to be his contemporaries in the same price range, uh, guys like Fitzgerald and Sanders. I think those guys are not only safer in terms of opportunity, but they've just they've been flat out better and they're cheaper. So. Uh, unless I'm going to go triple cheap at wide receiver, I think Lockett winds up getting bumped for me at some point along the way. Uh, one quick note about Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill, 4,400 on DraftKings this week with the ability Ooh. to run. So uh, that's going to be a funny one. I don't yeah. know if they, I don't think they're going to name him starter, but if they did, we'd be in an int- very interesting spot. He would be yeah. easily. Let me just make sure he's the cheapest guy. Yeah, he would. He's the cheapest. He'd be the cheapest quarterback on the week. The other guys in this range are like Fitzpatrick, Luke Falk. Uh, Flacco. The difference being here that he has the, it's that ability to run, right? It's like that ability to just make up stuff on the ground. And guy, and by the way, has guys like Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas on their team. I, he, I'm not saying they're going to win the game. I'm just saying from mm-hmm. having a weapon standpoint and having like just like dynamic playmaking po- opportunities here, it seems like he'll he'll be. I don't know. I, I kind of hope they don't because I probably don't want to f- fall my get into this trap of like, thinking about it because it probably would not be a good decision. All right, final game. Steelers go in and play the 49ers. 49ers are six-and-a-half-point favorites here against the Steelers team. That's all kinds of banged up. Mason Rudolph is going to start at quarterback. James Conner looks like he's going to play. They've had an abysmal start to the season and have lost Ben Roethlisberger for the year. And then we get the San Francisco team that I declared yesterday that no no San Francisco guy is safe to play in cash because of the way they've been using. Anything else to add to either of these two teams? One team's sort of – the Niners seem like they're headed in the right way in the overall football direction. Steelers headed almost completely the opposite, you would think. Yeah, and also, again, lifelong Steelers fan here. Shame on you if you're out there calling for Mike Tomlin's head. Like, give, give the guy a break. <laughs> the guy's never had a losing season. He has one bad week. Or one, two bad weeks, basically, and people are like, what's Tomlin doing out there? He doesn't have any idea what's going on. He has some idea what's going on, I guess is, is what I'm going to say. Um, yeah, you're, I don't think I'm going to play any Steelers. I think Juju, interesting big tournament guy, because you know he actually did flex this ability last week to just kind of be awesome no matter who the quarterback was. Uh, there aren't a lot of wide receivers that can do that, but uh, he, he didn't totally turn it into t- huge production yet. But the fact that he caught five balls for uh, 84 yards on eight targets shows me that there's some upside to come. Uh, you're obviously not going to consider playing him in cash. Just the guys in his same price range are, are infinitely safer here. So, so I wouldn't get carried away there. Um, and then on San Francisco side, you know, unfortunately, some of the guys we liked going into the season, guys like George Kittle, have been less safe than I think we had imagined. Exactly 54 receiving yards in both the first two weeks uh, for Kittle, and then the wide receiver situation is just totally all over the place. Like. I don't think you're gonna you're gonna run Debo Samuel instead of you know Larry Fitz or, or Sanders or some of those other guys either. So yeah, this this last game you always hate to end on a stay away, but that might be where I'm headed here. Yeah, the running game is the same thing. Breida just rips off every piece of chunky yard and just gets vultured right down by the goal line. They said they're going to still use Jeffrey Wilson as the goal line back, so they just can't play any piece of that situation either, right? Like they're just well, gonna they're, just they're a, gonna have. It's just an all-time, like, best – like, who, who were the better running back by committees that you've ever heard of besides Breida and Mostard? I can't think of any. Yeah, and then and then you get Jeffrey Wilson just punching in at the end. All right, we're going to get out of here. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site. DFSR.com for short. You can sign up for that free seven-day trial that's going to take you through Football Sunday if you sign up right now. Uh, go check it out. It's free for seven days. It's just twenty nine ninety five a month after – Optimal Linus, FanDuel, DraftKings, NFL, MLB, NBA when the season comes along, NHL as well. We covered all in the one subscription package. And like James, 
Wax at the beginning of this. We're one of the longest running daily fantasy outfits in the world at this point. I we very few other places places have come and gone, and big names have you know popped up along the way. We've been there since the beginning, and there's a reason we're still in business when a lot of our competitors during those early days have gone out of business. Is because we do as good a job as anyone, I think, that, that that's still out there, and that's why a lot of people come and go. And whatever that guy's name was, that was the that gave us shade in the, in our in our uh, in our ad at the beginning. Screw you, buddy. We're still we're still here. Go <laughs> go find someone else. All right, everyone else, jump on a dailyfantasysportsrankings.com slash deals. We'll get you started, buddy. Enjoy your week three in the NFL. Try not to get any more Facebook arguments. <laughs> All right, buddy. Peace.